Hello, so today I'm going to be interviewing Green Beret, also known as a level 5 Super Platinum Diamond Elite Monkey, bit of a longtime friend of mine, and the main reason why I'm looking to interview him today is he has a lot of interesting past competitive experience. He had a lot of bit of like, I want to say controversial, just like very conflictive experiences in the community, didn't get along the best with anyone, has some deep lore about snipers, CP steel, stuff like that as well. And I'm mainly just interested in talking to him about that community experience, kind of like the reasoning for why he did some of the things he did, for instance, like just getting banned on a few occasions and what the general sort of motivation was there to give a bit of insight into that side of the community. Without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself for a little bit. Hi everyone, um, I'm Green Beret. I'm washed up, old sniper main. Never been particularly good, but I'm known for having good map strats and being really toxic. If I ain't an intro, I don't know what else is. Sounds exactly like a sniper. Yep. So here we have his profile. Some YouTube, some Twitch. Looks like uh, maybe that Twitch got cancelled. UGC and RGL. Big funny cascade match. Let's take a look at Hmm, okay, 48 to 15, old Cascade. Pretty respectable, 494 DPM. Looks like it. Looks like you're a decent div player, not a major skill issue. Hmm, okay, okay. Respectable. Of course, here you got the Green Beret, the titular picture. The Minion fan club. And, ooh, Fog. I'm not sure how I feel about that. So, um, you're pretty into Star Wars roleplay, right? Um, not anymore. I used to be, though. Hmm. After I quit TF2, I needed a hole to fill my evenings and mornings on the weekends. So I was I was I was rewatching the Clone Wars animated series then. And I was like, why not? I, I saw these YouTube videos of these people like role playing. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let me give it a shot. And then I like got really deep into it. And I became really obsessed for a couple months. And thankfully, the server I was playing on died, so I got out. Thankfully, I don't. I think if it if it hadn't died, I don't think I would have been out because I'm so wildly obsessed with Star Wars as a franchise. It's unhealthy. Mm, yeah, so it was like a bit of an unhealthy community obsession. You'd just you'd say, not a community, just the franchise in general. I hate the community. The community is the most toxic one ever. It's it's worse than the cesspool that is TF2. I, I refuse to believe that. Um, impossible. No. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, let's talk about some of your past competitive experiences. Since you started out with uh, the Overlords at season fifteen iron, what got you into competitive initially? I was a I was a pub pony, and I was playing with a backburner on basically CP Egypt alone. And one day, I transitioned into watching i think i was watching i guess at that point it was probably banny play scout um so then i just met some people in the tf2 voice chat or whatever and they're like hey you're pretty okay at scout which i obviously wasn't that's a blatant lie um and then i ended up playing heavy for this iron highlander team on my 13 fps laptop and then i never got out of competitive Hmm, okay. So what was it like with your first team? It was it was interesting because 
that was probably one of the first and last teams I didn't have like a leader role in um, that I actually played on. And it was it was nice to not have to do anything and just show up twice a week. Um, but then I also really disliked how it was run. So that's why I started taking on like leader roles in a lot of things. Hmm. And did you enjoy your time leading? Um, I would say yes for all of one and a half seasons. And then I hated it again because it was it was there was just a lot of dealing with people who weren't ready to like communicate who were poor communicators um like scheduling people was so difficult just because no one communicated and then the clashing of personalities i think is one of the issues that a lot of team leaders um know about and have to deal with Hmm. i see and um what was your favorite thing about the ugc days about the ugc days besides the forgiving whitelist for snipers was how unintrusive the the organization was as a whole. Hmm, I see. Uh, do you have any favorite teams or players from back then? Yeah, I mean, my favorite team is the team that um, I kind of usurped from this other guy. His name was 99, and <laughs> he didn't really know what he was doing, and I was looking just to play like, Iron Sniper or Steel Sniper because I was kind of dog doo-doo. And then he didn't know what he was doing, but I had sort of like halfway run a team before that. So I kind of usurped it. And then I found all these great players who are like still some of my good friends today, um, like Liam and other players like that. Um, so yeah, a- season 18 Iron was definitely my, like, my, one of my highlights. Um, and that'd be uh, Gaben's Tax Collectors? Yes. I see. Yeah, I definitely recognize some of those names. Tiffany, Liam, Royal, Specty. Okay, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I feel like that's not something everybody gets to say. Um, yeah. What and was the team's Nursi reception? Ro- having Nursi on that roster was a big flex for all of two minutes. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. So, um, what was the team? How did the team respond to you usurping it? Oh, there was, so it wasn't a team when I usurped it. It was three players when I usurped it. Um, and they just had no idea what they were doing. They were using the UGC forums for everything. And it was, it was just a hot mess. So I came in and I said, hey, let me just recommend you nine players really quickly. So I recommended them, I think, probably six or seven players. They kept their original three. And then we built a roster around that and we made, you know, the preseason roster changes that everyone makes and ended up with a really decent roster that almost won the division. And how did it feel to almost win back then? It was it was really great because I was let me see what what year was that? I want to say that was I want to say 2016. Let me scroll back and look. Uh, let's um, see. Yeah, 2015. So I was 14 years old back then. It was really cool being on a team with all these people I liked hanging out with, and then getting pretty far. Right, right. And there wasn't that much, like, bitterness over over, uh, not winning entirely? Nobody, like, blaming each other? No, no, no. There was no animosity between our team. It was animosity between us and the team that beat us because there were a lot of accusations against the sniper that beat us, but it's whatever. I I don't know if anything came of them. Name a sniper that doesn't cheat, though, huh? Um, Green Beret TF. 
so true, so true. Um, so what was your least favorite thing from PC days then? Um, I think just the way it fell apart and died. I wish th- I think UGC was what TF2, like what in my mind Prime TF2 had had could have been, and then I think. I think RGL came in and took over and I think they've brought a lot of really great things to the table, like better prize pools and more access and better, you know, maybe more leagues and game modes. But I think the, the competitive spirit of UGC was where competitive should be. I feel like RGL has gotten, it's turned into watered down competitive almost, if that makes sense. I see. So um, what was it like for you when you like when, if there was the the major transition from UGC to RGO, how did it personally affect you or your teams? So at that point, when the when the real switch came, I wasn't that active anyways. I was subbing on Home Depot in, or I guess back then they were We Are the Rats or Kaboom. It was one of those many names it had under with Luigi. I was subbing. Ah, uh, We Are the Rats. Yeah. Yeah, I was subbing for them. And they made the switch, so I made the switch with them, and I just stayed rostered as a sub the whole first season. Um, and it Opus. didn't really affect me, because I didn't play at all. Uh, how about for Season 3 and beyond? Like Season 3, Season 7? Sure. So Season 3, I initially, with Ego, I initially took a mentoring role, because I didn't want to play, because I knew my mechanics weren't great. Um, but I still, I, I ended up usurping their sniper spot because their sniper was just so horrible. I had to take the spot and their team had no idea what was going on. So I just had to get in there and macro them, which is something you're not obviously able to do as a mentor because you're 90 seconds behind for the STV. Right. So at a certain point, I was like, okay, let me play this game on sniper and I'm just going to macro the hell out of you. And then that worked. So they just kept me in, and I kept macroing, but my mechanics were really poor, because they've always been poor. Hmm. And you'd usually get around that by just kind of, like, out-positioning, out-braining other players? Yeah, the way I got around it and stayed somewhat relevant, granted not very relevant, was just by having better map strats. And, like, they weren't cheese strats, they were just better strats, and reading teams better. Um, Because at that time, I was working with a lot of the plat heavies like Carl and Kresnik and Polk, and they were they were helping me learn game sense and learn map rotations and learn maps and stuff like that. Hmm. And is that something you found easier to do back in the UGC days or in the RGL days? Absolutely in the UGC days because oh, yeah? uh, there were just more people to pull knowledge from. And then as soon as RGL the transition was made to RGL, the, the those first two years it was a very divided scene. So half the players still wanted to play UGC, half of them made the switch, um, and the ones that did are the ones that I feel mechanically were not as strong, and I feel like there was a golden age of Highlander that died in UGC. That's definitely fair, yeah. Um, how about Season 7? What happened there? Season 7. That was an interesting season, so Live, Laugh, Love was a team that a friend reached out. He reached out to me and was like, do you want to co-make this team with me? I was like, sure, absolutely. Attention deficit. Um, yeah, but I had no, I had never had any intention of actually playing on it because everyone knows I'm not strong enough to play in advanced on Sniper by any means. 
but I was going to just manage the hell out of that team and do map reviews and stuff. But it was, it came down to an issue of, I didn't, my personality clashed way too much with almost everyone on the team, just because I was organized and um, I was a Highlander player through and through. And they brought in two or three excellent sixes players who just kind of show up when they want. Oh yeah, um, uh, Supermeister, yeah, so Daybreak. BDK, yeah, they just showed up when they Soldier wanted to communicate with me at all, and so it was hard to schedule scrims, and so the team was wildly unprepared for the first week when I was trying to get them scrims because no one showed up to the scrims. That sucks. Um, and so that ended up like with you leaving the team? Yeah, I I was sort of kicked out, sort of left the team. I, I'm still kind of unclear what happened. I don't really, I don't hold any animosity to any of those people. They're all great people, I'm sure. I don't, I just don't talk to any of them anymore. Um, the only one I talk to is attention deficit because we're still friends. And then I think I was roster riding on George and Boing Boing. I think I'm still rostered on Boing Boing in UGC. Ah, uh, yes, you were. I checked yeah. that earlier. So, um, without out of the way. It does look like you have a ban on your RGL profile. Could you uh, elaborate on sort of what the motivation was for that or like how you ended up getting that? Sure. So this is kind of what I was talking about with UGC having less of a hands-on feel as an organization. So um, I think they've now amended this clause in the RGL rules. But when this happened, uh, I was ringing for a scrim uh, between two RGL teams. and. I I have I had a script back then. It was called it was a barrel bind. So what it would do was it would randomize a bunch of really cursed and really fucked up um chat binds to random keys on my keyboard. And I play with chat off because I hate having chat on. It was distracting. So we were playing on Lakeside and I was playing sniper. So anyone who plays Lakeside Sniper knows the crouch key is kind of important sometimes. <laughs> excuse me the crouch key is kind of important sometimes so i apparently i had a key bind on my crouch key that included um the hard r slur um and i wasn't aware of it and no one on my team decided to tell me and so this is what set the precedent for the rule going forward that rgl sanctioned scrims are a thing was this ban this is the first ban that you can find anywhere of this of the of the clause RGL sanctions or sanctioned RGL scrim because Exa and Sigafu, I guess someone reported me, and Exa wanted to perma ban me from the league because of it. Uh but Sigafu was like, no, there's been no precedent for it, blah blah blah. We'll ban him till the end of the season. So that set the precedent for you can't say funny words during RGL sanctioned scrims, which is a scrim between any two RGL teams. Now, if it's a scrim between an RGL and an ETF2L team, I believe it's still fair game. But as long as you're on the ETF2L team, if you're on the RGL team and the ETF2L player reports you to RGL, I believe they will still take action, is my current understanding. Um, I don't have the RGL rules page in front of me. I'm looking know, at it right now. Okay, but I know back then there was no clause regarding what can and cannot happen during an RGL-sanctioned scrim. And that's the argument I made to Sigafu, which is why I'm sure it was only a one-month ban. Yeah. You definitely um, still see people get banned for those sorts of things these days. You see again, the occasional like, drama form. Yeah, but then it's like, 
from what it looks like, it's on like sometimes like a bit of a more of a case by case basis these days. But then like they definitely still do it. It just seems like maybe they give it more oversight now and they try and be more equal and just in it. I think that's probably because I hit them with a lot of a lot of clauses that they had written themselves and where I exploited the loopholes and showed them why I shouldn't have gotten banned. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, uh, it's saying, any use of slurs either in game chat or found on named items during scrims and matches, whether directed or undirected, is strictly prohibited. Uh, first offense, it will be a two-week ban through extra invite, and then it'll be subsequently longer afterwards. Right, um, and that wasn't a clause that had existed back then. Yeah, and then they also have a specific section for harassment, flaming, and game toxicity, and it's saying, uh, comments made on public lead platforms like forums, Discord, match comms, or during scrims and matches will be looked at during an in like on a case by case basis and context and circumstances are very important. But then what they're saying also is that ones on private platforms like Steam messages, Discords, Mumbles, Twitches don't play as much of a factor, yeah. Because right. it's not and necessarily so as argument. One of the arguments I made to Sigafu at the time was it's like the it's like the everyone gets invited to the birthday party or no one gets invited to the birthday party. Why do schools get to decide who you invite to your birthday party? That's kind of the it's it's the same idea of, well, this is happening outside of the league. Why does the league have a say? You know, that's <laughs> one of the things I appreciated about UGC is I could be a complete idiot with my friends in my own private mumble server and I wouldn't have to worry about catching a ban from UGC but as soon as RGL like started banning people for this in February 19 people had to be a lot more careful with what they said in their own discord servers like the ones with six people in it I think that's necessarily a bad thing though like maybe people shouldn't be saying those things in the first place I think it's a lot of context because I think a lot of people get reported without context um, if you send a meme that you find on like Reddit or something, I don't think you should get banned by the league for something you send in a in a server where there's like your friends and maybe someone who you thought was a friend who reports you. How about uh, for like in game and more public servers? In game and more public, I'm totally fine with them hitting people with a ban hammer as long as they state that they're going to do so. Which, as you just read, they clearly have now. Right. But again, when I was banned, they hadn't said this anywhere. That's the issue I took with it, was that I got banned out of left field, and I was blindsided with a rule that didn't exist. And again, I cited their document with their rules and their language, and showed them why it was an unfair ban. <laughs> and that's why I think Sigafu took my side. Ah, uh, he pushed the talk, he keeps like tabbing back and forth, because it's like mm. movement keys for the browsers. Uh, so anyways, what was... Do you remember why you had a bind with that with a slur included in the first place? Um, probably because I downloaded it off of uh, of of the internet, and I didn't vet. I didn't carefully go through all the binds, but also because this was back in the day where you could get away with saying whatever you wanted in a pub server, and no one batted an eyelid. So you said those sorts of things because you could from time to time. Yeah, because it was inflammatory and it pissed people off and it got them to it got it got a reaction, which was really funny to me as like a sixteen year old or whatever. And would you say that's like a decent bit of the uh player culture in RGL and TF2? I don't know about currently, but I know it used to be. I remember in UGC, I mean if you weren't flaming the other team, what were you doing? It's like <laughs> you weren't it's like you weren't playing the game. I think I think inflammatory um 
I think like trying to get away with as much as possible was part of the UGC like experience. And while I'm not sure that was healthy, it was part of it. And I was just going with the norm. And then I think I, I was one of the odd ducks out that didn't make the transition to RGL as cleanly. I see. So it's sort of the thing where it was just like socially beneficial to kind of conform to that standard for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And that like because of that, like I would say I made friends with some people who got me on teams and stuff. And then as soon as RGL, it was new leadership, obviously. So they all had different, you know, ideas and values, which is fine. Um, and I agree with all those values in my regular life, but it was just part of the inflammatory culture of UGC. And looking back at it, do you kind of regret in participating with that? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yes and no. Yes, I regret it because it's it's you know it stained my reputation as like this is a cringe toxic person avoid at all costs. But also no because I would say I made a lot of friends that way, and I don't think any of us really believe any of the shit we ever said. We just said it because it was part of the norm. You know, it's it's I could go I could really I could go really deep into this, but it's kind of like with beauty standards. We all do it and we all conform to them, but is it really healthy? I don't think so. I see. See, to me personally, it's just like I feel like the intent doesn't really matter. It's like it's still the same end result of the action. Like it still kind of helps to normalize it and sort of further set that trend and standard. Oh, no, I agree 100%. I'm not saying that anything I did was just or right, but it's 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 what happened, and there's nothing you can do to change it. It's, mm, it's that's fair, yeah. All right, do you want to go ahead and uh, move on to uh, playing some TF2 as we talk now? Sure. Do you want to join a right. server and I'll join off you? Yeah, let me pull up an Uncle Toby real quick. Okay. So yeah, that's definitely interesting to hear. Like I said, that's like one of the main reasons why I wanted to like reach, like, uh, talk to you about this sort of stuff. Yeah, um, you can join off me now. I'm on Chicago Payload Attack Defense Number Two, but um, yeah, even though it's not necessarily like the best look on player, I feel like on 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 paper, I feel like it's important to just like, get some insight into like the sort of reasoning there. Yeah, to just hear it from the people in question. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, I wonder if banned on the server. Let's find out. Oh, I'm unbanned! Beast. Uh, so anyways. What was it like being a sniper player? Um. Awful. Terrible. Um. I don't know how to explain it. It was just. It, it, it was really terrible. For a lot of it. Um. Oh, I think my push to mute key is also my retry key. That's cute. Understandable. Um, You're not muting then. Yeah, guess not. Guess you get to hear all my coughs, all my yummy coughs. I do it as well, don't worry. Um, no, but I don't know. I really dis... There's something I really disliked about playing Sniper. Um, it was... It, it's just, I think it... it I, I was comparing myself too much with, like, all of the incredible snipers that I watched on YouTube and looked up to and not enough with people in my own skill range. So I was, 
I was like idolizing Max and I was friends with Yosh and, um, you know, with all of them and all the AA guys. Um, and I held myself to that standard, even though I knew I would never achieve anything close to it because why, why would I, I, I I'm not good. Hmm. Um, but it, it begs the question of, of, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I'm trying to get through here. It's just that I was kind of a garbage player and that's why it sucked for me because everyone knew I was a garbage player and I would I wouldn't get rostered on a lot of teams because of it but also the teams I did they would come to find out I was not good but they thought I was better than I was if that makes sense I do have some yeah I do have some ideas like some follow-up questions that we could like have elaborate on that with if you want sure would you describe it as just like diminishing to your own mental state at all like all that sort of pressure that you generated yourself no, I don't think it has anything to do with my mental state so much as just how do I click my fingers? Because hmm. well, I, mean, like, I was never in a weird place mentally where like I psyched myself out because I knew my place. And I think that was one of the good things about the way I played Sniper was that I knew like where I stood comparatively and that helped me try to get better. But I don't think I was ever like sucked into the void of, oh, I have to be the best. Hmm. Okay. That's, That's the one thing I think I had over a lot of players was my mental game was always on point. Alright. It's kind of along the same lines, but like slightly different of a question. Does it feel a lot more pressuring to go from like playing sniper and casual and just being able to do whatever, being able to just like headshot people to like being so relied upon to just constantly make plays for your team and to out snipe the other sniper and to not die to spy on all these things? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely especially big when like the other sniper is is better than you and so that it's your job to kill him. And and I think a lot of things that I think I think it's something that a lot of players don't realize who don't play sniper is that getting getting absolutely diddled on in a 1v1 is something that really it, that that is the only time I will say I lose the mental game is when I get diddled on, I get frustrated. Um, and it makes me just a worse player. But overall, I think my picks were consistent. It was just, it was, it was the timing of. Actually, no, I take that back. My picks weren't consistent. It was the timing. Like I would always get important picks at the right times, but I don't think I got enough of them. If that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um. So, what would you say people could do to just like? avoid that issue to like not get so psyched out when it's like that i think it's the issue is that i played with a lot of people below my skill range so i always thought i was so good i think one of the things that started making me better was i when i played way out of my league with people that were much better i mean that's when i saw a dramatic change in my aim and when it started to really improve because that's when i forced myself to learn rotations learn off angles and then just focus on DM a lot. I think one of the things that, but also I will say with that comes the warning of if you do what I did and rely on off angles and weird rotations, your aim is never going to improve. Because I still beat a lot of people much better than me because I have funny angles that don't make sense or that shouldn't exist. Um, that's the only reason I do well. But as soon as it comes down to I'm sitting in an open, I'm sitting in the open against someone else, I'm losing every time. That definitely makes sense, yeah. So, 
how did other sniper players interact with you? Did they kind of like respect that niche that you developed? Were they kind of just like hostile or dismissive of you? Like, how did they interact with you? A lot of them really respected me because I would come out of nowhere and just hit them with a stupid, a stupid angle that they didn't know existed. Um, and I think there were some people who would say that means you're not a real sniper main, which is fair. But I mean, if I'm getting the kills I need, then I'm getting the kills I need. I don't see why how I get them is any different. It's it, it's like saying cheese weapons. It's not a cheese weapon. It's just a cheese spot, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Um, like, I definitely had a lot of cheese angles that confused a lot of people and ruined a lot of people's day days. Um, but overall, I would say I was people people didn't fear me by any means, but they they definitely respected me. But not in the sense of like, oh, he's someone you should watch out for. But oh, in the sense of we're not going to shit talk him because he can't aim because he still gets picks, you know, right. You could compensate another way. Yeah. Um. How do your own team use it respond to it? The other team? Your own team. Oh, my own team? Yeah. So the thing is, like, when I was leading teams, I also did most of my map reviews, and I explained, like, I'll be sitting in a cheese spot most of the time, and I'll be in really stupid places where I shouldn't be, or you don't expect me to be. So don't focus on keeping me at 185. Don't focus on keeping me buffed unless I'm asking for it and I'm in the combo. My team just kind of played with me as, like, really a pick class and not a combo class hmm. so because you like coordinated with them you talked about it in advanced like they're able to like play off of a better kind of yeah, and absolutely. negated on conventionality of it yeah that's pretty good to hear yeah it's always nice okay um so did you make many like friendships from y your team yeah i definitely did i mean again some of my some of my closest friends who I played videos with for years are from that team. I mean, Liam, um, we played, I think every game that we ever transitioned to, we transitioned to together, except for maybe like the last year and a half when I was at college, basically. Mm, yeah. The last two or three years at this point. That's crazy to think of. But we, he was just in, um, he was just in my area for a LAN and we met up, um, even though we hadn't talked in a long time because we we're still really good friends. So uh, what was it like going to a LAN? I didn't go to the LAN, um, but I, I just picked him up at the airport and we hung out for a little while. Ah, that's cool. I guess yeah. uh, a question I could ask instead then was, what was it like to meet another, t uh, another like player in real life from the same community? Sure. So he wasn't actually the first person I'd met in real life, um, but he was the first person that I, like, uh, I'll say he was and wasn't, but... It was it was fine. It was it was kind of because we were such good friends. It's like nothing had really changed and we just kept going about our normal banter. But I think if it had been anyone else besides him or one other one or two other people, it would have been maybe awkward. Um so a, a couple of people know I went to high school with Kool-Aid Allen. Um I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Not kidding. Yeah, me too. Um I went to high school with him, so he was, like, one of the first people I really, like, met from TF2. Um, but I don't know if that counts, because I met him before I knew he played TF2. And I think it's still fine here. It's just, like, interesting to see the sort of connection you have to people, like, in the same yeah. community regardless. Because it's, like, I feel like one of the big things is that it can be really hard to actually know anybody from Team Fortress 2, like, from competitive in person. 
Yeah. And I will say our relationship is a little different because we started off as like friends in, in person first. And then we realized we both played TF2. But, um, you know, overall, I'd, so I'd say that's why our friendship's a little different in that sense. Um, but there's another guy um, in one of my Discord servers who I've been friends with for years that I met up with in Chicago um, a couple years ago as well. And it was just a little awkward because um, we didn't have that much to talk about in person besides TF2, you know? Hmm. That's fair. I feel like it's def it can definitely be like a little bit uncomfortable, but then it's just like also such a good way to like genuinely connect to them if you don't normally find yourself talking about things besides TF2 with them online, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I feel like it's definitely just like interesting to meet them up with up with them, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with it hundred percent. So um, the only thing is is if you don't have anything to connect that that you can connect with, with them besides TF2, then it gets really weird. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Gamers in real life, no way. So, uh... Sorry, I'm really sick. No, sorry, I have coughs as well from time to time. Let me so... change my retry key. <laughs> that's probably wise. So, did you ever have any, like, groups of sniper friends slash players, per se? If so, what was that like? Um, yeah, I definitely did. I would say... I would say... My core group of sniper friends consisted of um, Sin or Seriu. I don't know how people know him by now. Um, say. Yeah, Say, Sin, Seriu, however you want to call him. Um, Liam, when he made the switch to sniper. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Tiffany and I were sort of friends. Um, let me see. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was like. I was actually friends with. Um, I was friends with Podgy and Bloodsire. I was friends with um, Yosh, and I was friends with FaZe for a little bit. Um, I don't know if Itzy Agor counts as a sniper main, or if uh, he ever yeah, counted Yeah, he's himself. close enough. He plays it a, a, a bit, yeah. like, every few seasons. Um, let me just go through my Steam friends list. Um, so, what was it like, anyways? Like, was it sort of, like, different at all? Because it's like... Some, I'm not sure how to like how to entirely phrase this, but like in pugs and whatnot, or at least like I can think of like one group of people. But it's like the sniper means kind of just like circle jerked and act like kind of weird together. I don't know. Like they get no. super like egoy and whatnot. It was definitely not like that because we all knew uh, this was also we were I was this was really before pug groups really became a thing because we all still played just center because center mm, was still alive. I mean, as you can tell, I'm mega washed. I mean, yes, I've played in many pug groups. I used to run burger pugs. But, I remember that. Um, but I, I don't think for us there was no, like, toxic sniper friend group. It was just we were all friends and we happened to play sniper. What do you say that maybe that's, like, one of the strengths of Team Fortress 2? That, like, you just have such a strong, like, group identity based off of these classes. That, like, they're all so kind of unique players kind of grouped together as a result of them. Mm, I don't know, because I don't really see that. I don't see, like, a bunch of soldier mains hanging out. I don't see a bunch yeah. of demo mains but, like, hanging out. Take for something like Spy or Sniper. It feels like a lot of people kind of just, like, group together and kind of collaborate off of those. Maybe, like, fire as well with the old round tables, but then not really for, like, other classes as much kind of medics sometimes or engineers. Like, I the more theoretical the, classes, I yeah, guess. Yeah, for the funny classes, like Sniper, Spy, and Pyro, there's definitely more of a grouping there. 
but again, I don't yeah. think it was that big. No, it's never been that big. I, I don't. I think it's like a lot less lacked the a lot more lacked these days as well. Like you don't really see round anymore. Just also yeah. kind of one of the things I was hoping to get around to, like with this, just to just like revive that old community sort of. Um, like with this series, rather the interviews, yeah. So, um, what were your sort of like favorite interactions as a result of those groups? I think just being good friends and playing a bunch of different games together and, you know, just fucking around and and just having a good time. Right. Like, I imagine with something like Sniper Kive transferred to, like, CS, Siege, stuff like that as well, like the more tactical shows. Yeah, for everyone else it did, but for me, absolutely not. Uh, so did you feel like you kind of got, like, left behind, say, at a certain point? Um, yeah, I would, because I I just mechanically wasn't able to keep up, and so then in the games where there were ranking systems, I wouldn't rank with them. So I think when I made the switch to go, to CSGO with Liam, I'm th I think he placed into, like, Nova 1 or something, and I placed into Silver Elite 3, I want to say, because my mechanics were just so terrible. Um, and that definitely hindered us from playing a lot together. So then right. he found his own friends in Go. Um, and I just kind of sat there in the in the in the mumble or the Discord or whatever um, when they were playing. Um, and did they ever really like end up like reaching out to you, kind of like comforting you, just like doing other things with you to kind of help you feel better, or not really? Um, no, because I don't think I felt bad about it per se. I just I like I I felt maybe left out, but also not really because I knew it was like just because I sucked and I was fine with that. So it's like an again, acceptance TSU, sort of thing. I knew I wasn't mechanically that strong. Okay, so it's like you developed a sense of maturity about it, kind of? Yeah, absolutely. I developed a sense of, well, I don't need these people to to like validate me for something I'm not, you know? Actually, kind of on that topic, do you think that's one of the things that's maybe been lacked kind of in our jail or most of the players these days? Like, just that sense of like self-validation not needing other people to validate you um i don't i don't know if i can speak to that that well because i haven't touched the rgl scene in forever but i will say that when i was in the scene yeah it felt like a lot of people were not as confident as they were in ugc i feel right. like in the ugc days everyone knew like their place like oh i know my place like i know i'm the best sniper in this division or i know i'm like the third best in this division and that's especially because we had like those, you know, those ranking sheets. But again, that's also that wasn't my that wasn't self validation. That was validation from someone else. But I think that helped me validate myself. Right, and it's just like all that familiarity was kind of lost to the transition to RGL, and I don't feel like it's ever really been reestablished. Like maybe it's a bit of a change in player culture as well. Yeah, and it's definitely sort of interesting to talk about. It's something I'd love to like talk about with other people in the future. Yeah, yeah, but and again, uh, I think it's because. I think I think it's also just because we RGL kind of shits on. I feel like the the league as a, as a whole really um, shits on people who are confident in their own abilities, and like it just gets written off as cocky. Hmm. How would you like, like people you aren't allowed to be confident anymore? Elaborate on that, like on how in specific that is. Sure. So I mean, every every season for the last I want to say four or five seasons. It's come around to CP Steel Week, and I get very many uh, messages on Discord and on Steam and everything. And everyone's like, "Yeah, do can you do my CP Steel map review?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I'll need at least two hours of your time, not one hour." 
because my map review is as anyone who has ever had my CP Steel map review knows it's really in depth and it's it's really good. You love to hear it. Yeah, and I always say it's really in depth and it's really good. And a lot of people in RGL were like, "Oh, you're cocky about your map review um, because you had platinum players like tell you it was good." I was like, "No, I'm cocky about my map review because I know it's good. I know it's excellent." Because I've I don't think I've ever had a team use my map review that's lost. I'm trying to think. Of every team I've done a map review with, I'd one team out of the probably, I want to say, 30 or 40 at this point has lost their CP Steel week, and it's because their main sniper wasn't there. Hmm. Could you, Do you mind if I ask a follow-up question on that note? Sure. Why do you think that is? Like, wh- why do you think that sort of shift happened? Is it because maybe, like, they're, like the old standards don't stopped really applying once we moved to RGL and then people became more confident like just their ability to just like devalue other people which shift yeah is that like sort of like how you would explain it are you referring to like the cp steel switch or just the the no ugc to RGL just like people like the old stuff kind like the old teams kind of dying like the player base splitting they're not really being as much of an old standard to be applied to what do you say that maybe would cause would have caused it mostly I'm thinking it's the fact that RGL didn't incentivize the top plat teams to move over well enough. And so we lost, I want to say we lost five or six of the best teams. Um, maybe not like on paper, but we, we, we lost them because their players, some of their players got left behind because they didn't want to make the switch. Right. Um, and so, you know, people like Max got lost. Um, obviously, he was kind of, he was kind of lost before the switch, but. Like that's the example I always give is because he never would have made the switch even if he had been relevant during the switch. What do you say though that had like the general effect of just like kind of wiping out a lot of like the old standard, like the old guard kind of, and then it maybe yeah. made people a lot more confident just like picking people apart for like their previous experience because it doesn't really apply anymore. Absolutely. And I think for a long for those first couple seasons, people who had been UGC players who switched, we're still looking at your UGC profile to see what experience you had, but then all the new players didn't care because they didn't know that UGC was a thing, which is, I think, one of the issues is that we lost the the background checks of, well, what's your experience like? What have you played? How have you done? What's your record look like? And I think that was an important part of keeping the competitive scene alive and healthy and really competitive. That's why I say I still say to this day that you that RGL is very watered down UGC. Um, I mean, I I compared the first season of RGL Invite to UGC Gold, if that. Yeah, I would and never compare it directly to Platinum. Maybe like part of the issue is that like RGL kind of had these had guidelines established, like had comparisons established, and then the community also went along with that kind of and built that notion. And they weren't necessarily all that accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I would also say the whitelist was just too strict off the, off the, out of the gate. I think they should have kept the UGC whitelist for at least one season, and then revised. So you think maybe they just, like, rushed it, like, they overextended and didn't prepare enough? Absolutely, I think that, because if you remember the first season, I believe it was the first season, they straight out got rid of the Razorback, which hadn't had the change yet. So it was still a very powerful item in UGC, but then RGL said no, 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 and that killed... Half the sniper mains. I I know I can name probably six or seven people excellent sniper mains who just didn't transition because of it because they loved the Razorback that much. Right. Uh, another question, K- 
kind of like somewhere along the same lines, but not but not like as much on the same topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you say that like maybe it's just like so? I feel like the general idea is that it was it became really easy for people to just like build up kind of like unwarranted egos, like because of all the change that happened with RGL, like the whole transitory phase, and then I feel like maybe the community never really like recovered, and people never really like got more realistic about their own ability to play, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's because, again, I think some of those high silver teams went into invite in RGL that first season, which is ridiculous. Right, they and then it just... never like, have been allowed in. And, and it just all those, all those silver players were like, hey, I'm the top of, I'm the top of the, I'm the doctor of the food pool, the food chain, you know? And nobody it's ever just, really... And no one ever ego-checked them. Right. So then it's the just like... truly invite players didn't care enough. They were like, yeah, I'm going to come in and I'm going to shit stomp you for our one week that we play against you. I'm going to hold you in your spawn for five minutes and that's going to be the end of it. I'm never going to interact with you again. So maybe it's like a failing of community role models and like leaders as well, maybe? Like they didn't... I think it's a failing of the of the RGL admins and of the 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 people who made the league, who formatted the league... I think they should have copy and pasted UGC and just given it a different name and a logo for the first season so that there was there was because that was a huge switch. Right. And they made it worse by switching too much at once. If they had gradually switched it, I think it would have been much smoother. They would have kept a much healthier community and they would have had a much larger player base to pull from and have ideas come from. Because I think I think a lot of the UGC guys would have been amenable to the idea of banning the Razorback, but not all out at once with no warning, anything like that, you know? Right. Um. But what I'm kind of trying to get at is like, yeah, like, obviously, like, yeah, RGL is kind of at fault there. But uh, do you think there's more? Maybe like those few invite players who remain that kind of Stomp could have done. Like maybe they could have like helped the community out more. They could have like been more in the way of like role models for the community, maybe. Like I don't think that was their responsibility. Their um, I think if they wanted to, they did. There were a couple that really stepped up. I think Kresnik is one of those who really stepped up at the Switch. But it wasn't his job to. It's not like he was RGL, like an ambassador or anything, right. or at any official capacity with the League. I think if the League had asked him to in some capacity, he absolutely would have. And I think if they had... um. I don't know, because I think on one hand, they some of those players would have absolutely done that for the community because they didn't want to see this community die. But then on the other hand, you've got other players who are like, yeah, well, I'm a plat player. I'm going to shit all over this league because it's trash right now. And they're just going to do their thing. Well, I'm going to like, see, here's my perspective on that, right? It's yes, it's not really their job to, but I feel like if they like care about the game, they kind of just have like a bit of an obligation of sorts to like step in where the league is failing instead of just like pointing out more issues and creating more issues, right? It's like I feel like if the league can't do it, the players kind of have to step up and it's like if not many of them do that, it's like the remaining ones is kind of gonna be like the bystander effect, right? Like not many are actually yeah. gonna step up to it. And that's kind of so, what I'm trying to get at here. Like I'm not trying to pin yeah. the blame on any of them. I'm just so trying one to like thing analyze I will it. Say, Blizz, is you've played at the highest levels of this game. You know how little some of these people care. They yeah. just show up, they DM and they leave, right? And it just sort of sucks, yeah. And I would say when the Switch made, those were the players that moved over here. Right. I would say 90% of the players that made the switch from Platinum UGC, excuse me, from Platinum UGC to RGL were the ones who just DM'd and didn't care how the game played out at all. They just wanted to farm strangers in, in a Highlander setting. And so, but I think 
the the community leaders, I think they either got lost in the swap because they weren't team leaders or they just didn't care enough because the league didn't make an effort to reach out to them. And I so you like again, I still think it was a hundred percent the league's fault. I think the league should have reached out to these teams and been like, hey, you're one of our like top premier whatever teams. You should you should help us do this and this and this, and we'll reward you by like giving you a page of a spot on the homepage or whatever. Like they didn't have to do anything monetary. They could have said, Yeah, we'll give you a little bit of clout for a minute. Yeah, I definitely like when you when you frame it that way. I feel like yeah, it's definitely like a failing of the league. Like I feel like it could kind of have been like this is one of the things that might happen, right? Like if they should have been prepared for it, and they should have like been prepared to like keep the state of the game in a healthy state rather than yeah. just like making people switch for the sake of it. Like it just does seem like a fairly big failing on RGL's part. Yeah, because it is like viewing it from that framework i feel like it's fair to say that it kind of did tremendous damage to the state of like the scene that has never really had a chance to recover and that might never really recover at this point it never will i'm convinced it never will because now the skill the skill ceiling is just so much lower right like the damage there's is no gone. one to compare it to there's no like really high level players to compare yourself to to set that bar higher you don't have kresniks and you don't have phases and you don't have you know, as much as I like to, as much as I hate to say, you don't have like, you know, maybe not Nursey, but like you don't have like all these really incredible players walking around showing you how it's done. You just have these kind of mid-level players that, again, I when I look at invite right now, when I look at the rosters in invite, I'm looking at what I would have equivalent, I would have called the equivalent of high silver. Okay, so I don't um... think anyone in invite is the equivalent of gold or platinum anymore. Because I feel like the skill ceiling is just so low. I don't really have much to say on that matter. Like, I can't really judge, but I definitely feel like it's interesting to hear that. Yeah, like, I definitely appreciate the perspective. Yeah, I mean, just looking from a numbers perspective, I was looking at a couple logs, like, two months ago. The KDs were all over the place. There was no consistency between yeah. performances between week to week in Invite, which is not something you'd ever see in Platinum. You'd see the same players with the same KD every single week, regardless uh -huh. of if they won or lost. It was it was always within you know the same general margin of like for snipers it was always within a point a point eight margin of their KD and now you see it all over the places like it's a two or three point margin. So question then, yeah. do you think that it's like teams are less like strategy based and more just like DM let's roll this team because we're like just the best of the remaining best right now like and there isn't that much stiff competition. Do you feel like that's kind of what we see and why you might see inconsistency? Um. No, I just think it's the players are simply just inconsistent. I think it has nothing to do with the strategies they're using or the way they're playing. It's just the players are just not consistent and they're not as good. Well, what do you think of strategy back then versus no, though? As it like shifted much? back then was a lot more fluid and it was a lot more we're going to we're going to see what happens with the game hmm. um, and we're going to adapt to it. And I think the strategy now is a lot more oh, well, I would like to set this strategy up and we're only going to do that and we're going to focus on this strategy. And I know, like that's why that's why so many teams lose to my strats is because mine are adaptive strats. Right. That's one of the things I pride myself on is it's an adaptive CP steel strategy. That's why it wins because I don't just sit there and say, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna rush this and then do this." Like, yeah, it's one of the things I do say, but I also say if you don't adapt it, you're going to lose because it won't work. That's definitely one of the things I noticed when I played Pyre. Like a lot of the time, people just wouldn't adapt even if they like recognize something. Like a lot of the time, they just don't actually solve it. They just keep repeating it and blaming. And then it's yeah. just like they just keep 
declining in terms of progress, and then sometimes they'll only fix it after like a specific demo review, and it just doesn't really feel like people are that inclined to think for themselves in the moment anymore, besides like the top. Yeah. And that's just sort of unfortunate. But um And one of the other things I will say to that to that extent and, and yeah. in that vein is so you know how I was talking about like UGC was an inflammatory era. It was in an era where everyone was inflammatory. Well, that's how you got better. Someone flamed you for being awful and you went home and you fixed it. You sat in an aim app for six hours the next day and your aim got markedly better. No one flames anyone anymore. And I think that's a, that was a huge factor was that external validation of, oh, I'm not terrible. I know for me, that's how I got better was I had someone flame me and put me in my place and tell me, yeah, you're terrible. And then I sat on an aim map all summer and I got much better. So would you um, say that, um, sorry, were you going to say something? No, keep going. I was going to say, this is my theory, right? A lot of the time nowadays, it's just like they say those things, but behind your back, not to your face. Like they'll shit talk you behind your back, but then they'll just like act all nice to your face kind of, right? Well, that's the issue is because people, I don't think people can take the criticism to their face. I mean, I was in, I remember even this was, I think for an RGL team for season four, I think I was, I was in a tryout and this soldier was awful. He was terrible. I mean, he was like needlessly bombing. He was feeding and I called him out on it in the middle of this scrim. And he was like, he got so upset, so heated. And it wasn't like an isolated incident because then I tried out for another team and the same thing happened with a different player. And it, it seems like I feel like a lot, you know, I'm going to say it as much as it's going to offend a lot of people. RGL is there's a lot of really like soft players who can't take any criticism and they're not going to improve if they can't take any. Sure, positive reinforcement is proven to be better than the negative reinforcement, but negative reinforcement also holds a place. If you don't have some kind of criticism or constructive feedback, even then it's you're never going to improve because you won't know what to improve. And like, maybe I took the wrong tone with the first soldier, but the second soldier, I was like, yeah, I think you should feed less and maybe bomb when you're asked to bomb and not when you think you should bomb. And he like got so upset and so heated. And again, it's like the whole, it's the whole, like you won't improve unless someone calls you out on it idea. And you think, and you would say that like, maybe it's just like, a lot of the time, like, it isn't that, like, hostile intent to start with, but then they, like, react negatively to it, and then it kind of escalates from there and turns out into actual fighting or so? I would say it starts out as being genuine. It has genuine intent, or at least for, for me, like, I always start out with genuine intent because I'm not trying to, like, flame someone and ruin their day, but then if they're going to fight back with me about it and then call me out on something that is that doesn't exist, that they're just, like, grasping for straws... um. Like if you're or if you're just gonna like make excuses and blame it on other people when it's very clearly your fault, I don't tolerate that because you have to own your mistakes. I own the fact that I have terrible DM. I know I have terrible aim, and I own that. But if anyone ever calls me out for positioning, I'll ask them what they think I where they think I should have been. And ninety nine percent of the time, I'm correct about my positioning. It's just my aim that sucks, <laughs> which I know and I admit that. Okay, that's definitely very interesting to hear, yeah. Um, I had a full open mind, but I think I lost it, so I'm gonna like, try to think back to that real quick. Oh yeah, I feel like maybe a large part of the reason why people don't respond that well to like, criticism like that or just being flamed is 
due to pug culture, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of the time, the yeah. pugs, people are just outright nasty and, like, just insult you over the slightest things, but then don't actually offer any solutions. And so a lot of the time when it's, like, when you get any criticism whatsoever or, like, any negativity, it's just really easy for that to seem like people just being, like, so rude for the sake of everybody, right? Like, that you're just being yeah. blamed for everything. And it just feels like pug culture or, like, whatever causes pug culture, like, whatever causes pug culture probably also causes, like, people to respond that way to the criticism. Well, what causes pug culture is is being called out, I think, because in T of Two Center lobbies, you never had talk, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not to the extent of, like, in pug culture. I remember my first T of Two Center lobby, I was doing terribly, but someone, like, called me out on it, but helped me out, and they were supportive, and that's how T of Two Center was for a little while, until we got this new breadth of like really toxic acid players. Right. And then that translated into pugs because they started playing pugs as well. But I think, you know, for the most part, it's everything starts with a good intent and then it, it, it goes through this metamorphosis of just toxic, spiteful, not helpful kind of garbage, if you will. Right. I mean, again, I know it's like whenever I played pugs, I just never called people out because there was nothing for me to say or I knew I was just a worse player. But when there was a worse player than me who I could call out, I would be nice about it and say, hey, I think you should maybe like milk it longer or I think you should try and be in a better position. And I wouldn't say like, oh, your your positioning's dog shit. You know, it's if you approach it from that, you're never going to get results. Right. But if you approach it from the, oh, well, maybe try this, then you'll get results. But then a lot of people just misinterpret that as, as I'm shit-talking you because they don't, they don't understand what real criticism is. Right, because it's just like they're so used to just like get, not getting actual criticism, just people yeah. being rude for the sake of it, yeah. Yeah, or they just have never had a decent mentor. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've always had the privilege of having really good mentors who were never like, you're shit. Like, they told me, yeah, your aim is garbage, but here are things you can do to improve it. Like, my first sniper mentor was Yosh, and he never said to me, oh, you're dog doo-doo. He said, yeah, you need to work on your aim, and here's what you can do to do that. But he was never like, yeah, you're shit, kid. Go home. You know? Right. So, um... One thing to just, like, point out an issue, and, like, to point these things out, but it's another just, like... Come up with a solution. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's a lot of people think they can be mentors because they're good, but if you don't have the capacity to help fix it, then you shouldn't be a mentor. So, how do you? Where do you think we go from here? Like, how can we fix some of the issues and some of the mistakes that, like, for instance, RGL made? Some of the cultural issues we have now, like your opinion on those sorts of things. Like, where do you really think we go from here? How do we improve? Okay. As for RGL, there's no hope with them. They're they won't listen to feedback. They never have. Um, mm. I stand by that. I don't think they've ever been good about listening to feedback. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Constantly? Yeah. He is and the new RGLHL head of end. Do you think that could cause it to change a little bit? Maybe. I don't know him well enough. Um, okay. But I do know that a lot in the past, there was only one RGL head admin that I knew would listen to feedback from people. And it's because he was one of my good friends. Everyone knows it's Michael Lele, but that's fair, yeah. But as for the other ones, I think a lot of people like just refused to listen. Not even just to me. Like 
there's no reason to listen to me because I'm irrelevant and I have a stain on my reputation, but listen to other players who have like genuine criticisms. The league doesn't like hearing criticisms because the league thinks it's right. And that's the issue with the league that I have is the league doesn't, isn't willing to accept that maybe they fucked up sometimes. Okay. And um, what do you think the players can do? I think the players can be more vocal about, hey, you fucked up, fix it. I feel like a lot of players just kind of accept it because they've accepted the fact that the league doesn't listen. Right. Do you think also maybe people could just be like a bit more direct about like their opinions on certain things, like rather than just like talk about it behind backs or in private discords? Um, yes and no, because again, I think I, I think one of the big fears is, oh, well, if I say something that hurts someone's feelings, I'm going to catch a ban for it. Like, not even if it's like, her, like horrible, like something horrible. It's like a lot of people I know have the fear of if I hurt someone's feelings, that's going to be interpreted as flaming and which is which isn't allowed in the league, blah, 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 blah. So they're afraid to say anything that's remotely critical of anyone else, which I get because. I'm in the same boat where I feel like a lot of times you can't say anything about anyone because you're just going to get instantly consumed by the admins. Oh, no, no. So, I mean, like, when Micah became head admin, I knew, like, I wasn't playing, and I knew that, like, he probably wouldn't take action against me because I didn't say anything stupid. But, so that's when I, like, started, like, getting vocal about, like, hey, I think this is bad practice. And he was like, sure, let me review it. And then... It got reviewed, but not enough people agreed, which is fine. But then, you know, with other head admins, like, I won't say names, but there were a lot of people I was like, I was really afraid to criticize the league outside of private DMs and outside of closed private servers because I knew people would take that as me flaming them or calling, like, like just making, like, quote-unquote making fun of them or saying, like, I think this person is a bad admin or whatever, even though that's not the view I hold, you know? Do you think, like, that there's a bit of an observer effect with that, where, like, a few people start to fear, and then it's just, like, everybody kind of does, and nobody speaks up about what needs to be said? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. And, again, I think, not to be, like, that guy, but I'm gonna be that guy for a second. After I got that ban for an RGL-sanctioned scrim, everyone became afraid. No one said anything in the scrims. If you go back and you look at scrim like scrim chat logs, it was fine for about two days. Everything was normal, and then people realized I caught an obese ban that, and because it started as a perma ban, and then Sigafu amended it. Everyone realized that that was a thing that they could get in trouble for. Now was saying things like obviously you know it's like what I did was one thing, but people were afraid that would apply to them just for calling other people out, and so. No one said anything. Scrims were quiet for weeks. Yeah, and again, you know, sad. what I did was on a different level, but a lot of people I know were afraid because of what I went through. Right. Okay. So, now, now that we've gotten that, that out of the way, for the most part, unless you have anything else you want to say on, like, that jail, sort of, like, our jail community matter? No. Okay, yeah, I feel like we've covered that pretty uh, in-depth. I'm just going to ask a few more, like, few specific sorts of questions, yeah? Sure. And then I'll probably wrap it up. We're looking at about an hour and three minutes so far, and uh, cool. it's, it's been pretty successful. 
really appreciate your time. It's uh, I it's a lot of insight. Yeah, I feel like it's really interesting to just talk about these older community matters that don't really get yeah. discussed these days. Like they just don't get the attention they need, and all yeah. we get is like a occasional few forum threads kind of touching on like a few symptoms, but never really the issues themselves. That's the other thing I have beef with is the forum threads, but I won't get into yeah. that. That's and the whole so, thing that matters. <laughs> I guess just like in saying that, like that's part of my goal with this, just like provide a different platform, right? To really just give people the chance, like yourself, to just talk about it, yeah. to be receptive to it. Um, but enough about that, though. Um, what were some of your favorite memories in the community? Or, or just blended? Some of my favorite mem memories in the community were just the really good times, like, on, on, like, on the weird maps that weren't played as much. Um, okay, maybe not the weird map, but like the maps that people didn't understand because that's where I thrived as someone who's not a DM god. The the maps that people didn't study enough, that's where my team always stomped. Um, so I obviously people enjoy stomping, but I enjoyed it for a different reason because it validated me as a player. Like again, not because of my aim, just because I had a huge cranium. Right, and maybe like you'd holding say... a team at B on CP Steel for fifteen minutes is. Uh, not a lot of teams can do that. Right. No, that's definitely good. We did um, that because we had funny strats that made sense and fucked over other teams. And that's one of like the strengths of Steel. There's just like so much tech. You can do so many different random things, yeah. Or at least back in the older days. Still kind of yeah. these days, though. So, um, what do you say that's definitely like a very important part of the like, psychological side to the issue we to a lot of the community issues we have that just doesn't really get talked about? Sorry, say it again? What do you say that like the need for validation like within the community is just like one of the key determining factors in how the community is, and it's just like it doesn't really get the proper representation it needs, yeah? Um, yes and no. I mean, we touched on this earlier, but I think my answer is still kind of the same. I think you need some validation, but you also need a lot of criticism to get there. No, 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 I get that. I'm just wondering, like, do you think it's just something people don't, like, understand enough? Like, the whole, the concept of it, the underlying, like, theory. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would say a lot of people don't understand the concept. And I think one way to understand, again, everything, for me, everything comes back to it. people need to be criticized and be called out. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like that could definitely make sense. I feel like it's really interesting to try and view it from like a more analytical, psychological perspective. Yeah, and I feel like that could definitely yeah. help explaining things like the way people behave, the way they do in these communities. Just like the need for validation. Yeah. Yeah. Just conform you. Okay. Um, what were some of your least favorite experiences in the community? Like. Well, I mean, obviously, the big, the big, the elephant in the room is arguing with RGL over something that didn't exist. That was a huge point of contention for me. Was well, this rule doesn't exist. Why are you enforcing it? Does it feel um, good, kind of looking back to it, though, being able to like provide the reasoning for that change, being able to argue it, and just like make something change? Um, I would. Uh, that's a really difficult question to answer, Blizz. Um, I because like, I, I feel the like second. they they never they never gave me a reason because they didn't add that clause until a season after I got banned. Um they didn't change that wording and that verbiage and they didn't add that in until like after my ban had expired. So I felt like, again, I still felt like I was unjustly banned. I mean, yes, the ban was just, but should they have banned me? No, because there was no precedent to yeah. do so. 
But and then another one of my worst memories was just the transition. They did a really horrible job with the transition. Um, but out of the transition, out of I think out of the transition did come a lot of good. I know I've been like sitting here for the last hour talking about how much I hate the tr- transition in the league, but you know a lot of good did come. People can you know sort of make some prize money out of it now. That's a huge change. Right. Um, that kind of like revived interest in part. Like it kind of helped sustain things. Yeah, it absolutely did. Um, one of the things I thought was that, that I just kind of really disliked about my time in TF2 was the toxicity. Um, and then I think for me, one of the things I hated the most too was trying to wrangle people on Monday nights at 8.30. Oh my god. Have you ever led a Team Blizz tank? Yes, and it's really interesting. It's almost always at the same three times in North America, like the same three days, same two times. Oh my god. Friday, sorry, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 7.30 to 10.30 at night the bane of my existence every single week. I dreaded it. Worst worst three hours of my night for three days uh, a week. Oh yeah, question. Did people um did people play more on like other days back then? I feel like that's like oh. everywhere I've heard that like uh teams were more open to scrimming on random days back then. Yeah, absolutely. I would pull scrims on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and I pull scrims every day of the week because everyone wanted to scrim. Everyone wanted to get better. Teams now don't want to get better or they don't want to put in the effort to get better. I don't know a team that scrims three days a week anymore. I most I know, teams that, I know teams that scrim two days a week for three. Oh yeah, scrims, I guess two for like the match. I don't know teams that do three days. Uh, I definitely know some in like main and whatnot, but in Highlander, it's just like usually like I mean high divs, it's like pug scrims at most for, the, yeah. for like advanced and invite usually. And that's, and that's what I'm talking about is like people in the that higher div don't want to get better because they don't want to put right. in the effort because they just don't care. And do you think maybe like people moving up in divs like just don't really have the proper opportunity to like develop as they progress in divs, and that kind of feeds into the ego thing. No, I think as they progress, it's just also a matter of they think they're hot shit now because they've progressed, which is, I think, still not true. Right, and it's just like less of a challenge for them to like move up individually, like they, they need to progress less, kind of? Yeah, I think yeah. it needs to be harder to move divs. Like, I definitely agree, Like that's one of my peeves with Thorgeal, yeah. I mean, I remember I tried to move into go- to gold as a joke one season, and Kumori was like, you're an iron sniper, what are you doing on a gold roster? And took me off the roster. Like, I think that was an excellent decision, because I had no place being in gold. I think that's interesting to hear, I'm not sure about that entirely, but I think at the very least, like, Origil needs to be a lot more selective with who they let it to the divs and when. I think they also like need to bet the teams is. better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe player-wise, they they maybe they, maybe that was the wrong choice for yeah. UGC. But team-wise, they need to be much more careful about right. who they let into what div. It's like Live, UGC laugh, was love, never should have been there. an advanced team. And the thing is, like, yes, it's cool to be nice to the players at all, but then it kind of hurts the health of the league when you say as well. Like, it just helps reinforce those harmful precedents, and then sometimes the teams just like die mid-season, like a lot, a decent lot of the time, actually, or yeah. like. It does really, it's towards like not that competitive, right? Yeah. Like, if you look at advanced from a couple of seasons ago, there was the advanced teams and then there were the main move ups. <laughs> there were two different classes of teams. Yeah, they all played in the same division, but did they really? Not at all. Right. 
Especially with like Swiss as well, like as a scheduling system, that's one of the more common community like issues. That uh, at least like under the Wilmatic adminship, it's like we keep pointing out the issues with Swiss making the same threads, making the same points, and it would just it, it just wouldn't change. And I feel like that's something that like could change a lot for the better now with constantly as head admin. Yeah, if they if they move back to round robin, I think there's a lot of potential there. I believe they that, will be. Yeah. Yeah, because. If they if they move back to the way that UGC did it, it'll be fine. If they don't, it'll be a real interesting time. I do want to say I think like Argel's in a much better. I think Argel's in one of its better states admin wise now. Like uh, I I can't touch this in this my in my previous one, but Michael Leal always talk about like how the HL team used to joke on the Sixes team for like just not being as good, right? But now it's like. And then it swapped around for a bit, like sixes became a lot better under like the Virgil adminship and whatnot, like as head admin, um, from what I've heard at least, or at least mm -hmm. like from what Mike has told me. And now it seems like maybe both of them are finally going to be in like a decent state, and maybe RGL can like finally change a bit for the better now. Like maybe. Well, the thing is, you'll always have competition between the two groups, between sixes and Highlander. That's never going to change. Oh, no, it's not about like competition between them. It's just, it was just kind of like a point of comparison that like. Usually, at one point in time, like, one of the admin teams would be much better, and then the other one would, like, make a lot of mistakes, or just, like, not really... Oh, no, that's what I'm talking about, is, like, regardless of if the game, the players, the mode, the, the admins, no matter what, you're always going to have a lot of feedback from both about one or the other, because they're right. not the same. I mean, it's like, it's like Prolander is the forgotten child of RGL. But, like, it is to say, though, like, it's... It's not like so much focused on like the fact that people are like criticizing them together. It's just like as an example, like people are just like like RGL itself kind of had trouble with like one of the formats usually, like one of their main formats at a time. And it's like now it seems like things might finally get better for both. If that makes sense, like I'm just and saying. then you look at Prolander. <laughs> Prolander doesn't exist. Does it? Does it not exist anymore? And it does, but it's like five weeks. Nobody really plays it yet. Nice. The top div is usually just like advanced throwing nice. Highlander players. But uh, yeah, it's something kind of interesting. I kind of talked about with that with Darzy last time though, but uh, it just felt like uh, for me, it's like it felt like RGL kind of like stopped caring about their smaller niche formats or like Prolander as much when they transitioned to Highlander. Oh, they absolutely stopped. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I guess that's sort of like one of the things that kind of came along with it feeling like not that prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And that if kind of just sound cuts out, my cat's chewing on my microphone. But uh, all I meant to say, like, is that it finally seems like maybe it's, like, there's a time for optimism about RGL. Like, yeah, when it comes I will to the agree staff. with that. I mean, from the little, the few interactions I've had with Constantly, I can't say anything bad about him, because I've never yeah. had a negative interaction with him. I trust him a lot, yeah. It's just like, yeah, we've had a lot of issues in the past, but maybe it's like, we, like, it's, things can, like, finally change for a bit in RGL, yeah. Yeah, and also maybe I'm thinking of the wrong. Constantly is the pyro that wears that that skull thing, right? Yes, but okay, though he so... usually plays like engineer. Yeah, I, if if I'm not mistaken, I feel like constantly has also been the subject of some very minute um, controversy. Am I wrong? I feel like most people who have done like something remotely good in the community do have some controversy about them. Yeah, and so that's I think he'll be able to address it from a state of I'm not perfect. Like I feel right. like some of the previous admins were, you know, like everyone thought they were the golden boy of RGL and then they were just not. Right? Like some of the admins just like aren't 
entirely unaccountable to like somebody like Will Mac, for instance. Yeah. And I think I think constantly people are gonna scrutinize him, but I think he'll be an excellent admin. Right, I, and think I think he's, he's like a, I think he can look at it from multiple perspectives. And he can kind of like own up to it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely good. That uh, makes you feel a bit better about Highlander now, yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm not coming back by any means of course, of college, course. but I, I assume it's just like this sort of thing you find interesting to hear though, like given your past experiences. Oh with yeah, that. I love watching from the sidelines and laughing at what the drama is this 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 season or what the drama was last season or who caught a band uh, that was an invite or whatever. You uh been checking the forum threads, yeah? Absolutely not. I'm banned on the forum threads as far as I'm aware. Damn, okay. As far as I'm last time I checked, I wasn't able to post on the forum. Uh, it's not necessarily about posting, it's just like it's one of those things like you can see a lot of like the uh, beneath the scenes drama if you look at the forums from time to time. Oh, I hate looking at the forums because so while I like to hear the drama, I don't like to actually read the drama. I like uh, to hear about it from like fourth or fifth parties, even. I see, so like from friends, kind of, yeah. Yeah, I want the most watered down version of this drama that has ever existed. <laughs> the Blitz Tank special. Yeah, I want no, no. I don't even. I don't even want it from you because you're too involved. I want it from someone that heard it from you. That heard it from. I want it from someone who heard it from their goldfish, who heard it from their neighbor's dog, who heard it from you. That's understandable. Why I want my drama. Understandable. Yeah, I am decently involved. Well, not as much. You're doing this, so that's how I know you're involved. Gaming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I want it from oh, no, yeah, definitely. someone who hasn't talked to you for like five months. There is a lot of people that could fit into that category. Yes. I'm definitely one of them. Yes. Till that. Um, yeah. So, if I recall correctly, you used to get into, like, a decent bit of drama back in the day, right? Um, it depends on who you ask, but yeah, I would say, yeah, probably. So, how was that? Like, how did the most of that sort of start? Why did you get into that sort of stuff? I got into drama because people called me out for being a shit sniper, and I was like, yeah, you're right, but I still outfragged you, or like, and I would just start beef with people for that. Like, they got mad that I was just doing better than them because I had cheese angles. Excuse me. Or I got into drama because I would say something like, oh, you, you blow, or like, you suck, or whatever. Right. And people got like really butthurt over that. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say I got into any real drama. Like, I definitely didn't get involved in like any like, league-wide drama. I got involved in, like, little skirmishes with people. You know? Right. Just, like, a little here and there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, was I don't even know if I call drama so much as just banter. Little trolling. Yeah. So let's... Okay. I think that's about most of my questions. I do think I have, like, at least one left off the top of my head. I just need to remember what it was. Can I get down? I'm gonna eat you. Chillin' chat. Um, do you have anybody you would, like, be interested in seeing be interviewed in the future? Um, have you already done Micah? I have him on this, uh, like, you'll probably be coming up in two to three weeks, yeah. You can see the schedule while you still... Okay, yeah. I would love to see... Personally, I would love to see, like, the people... I I would just love to see, like, Sigafu or something, and be like, but yeah. that's also because I'm living in the past. I would just like to know why they transitioned, how they transitioned. No, that would be absolutely wonderful, yeah. I'm mostly, like, yeah. 
I kind of feel like social like, anxiety is so most... done so poorly, almost. I'm just, you know... Yeah, the answer for, like, the person themselves rather than other people answering it for them, yeah. Yeah, there's only one person I'd actually like to hear from. Right. I am Sophia. Yeah, the big man. I could uh, try to do that in the future. I'm not sure how receptive we'd be. They're like, oh, no, I get super anxious over there, sort of. But uh, I'd definitely be interested in it, yeah. Yeah. Just have to, like, work the logistics out. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be doing mic uh, constantly, like, just some staff members in general. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear from someone who's caught a ban for cheating, too. Okay. And just, like, why? Do you have anybody in mind? Um, no, because I don't know anyone who's been banned recently. Everyone I know is, like, millions of years old. I know some, some people have been banned, like, recently, so I usually don't really, like, stay on content. Like, yeah. I could probably think of somebody that uh, anything else off the top of your head? Um, when is RGL handing out sandwiches? Hmm. I'm really. They're handing him out on snake in snake water on November the 11th. Sorry, every, I just got year. a thing on my phone of DoorDash offering me a discount on sandwiches. Yo, yeah. I Mark really it down. November the 11th every year, free RGL sandwiches. Isn't that election day? I don't know. I just remember seeing a meme uh, about oh. like snake water and then the date just being like around then in November. Got it. It was funny. Hmm. Okay. Oh, you know what I would actually really enjoy seeing? Yeah, what's up? Sixes players who also play Highlander, but not as their like like mainly Sixes players who also play Highlander and why? Mm. And like their sort of experiences with it, like the differences between the modes, how it kind of transfers those yeah. sorts of things. Okay, yeah, and, I could like asking it. them about the stigma of like why don't you care about this game mode? Obviously, it's not your game mode, but then why are you playing it and like ruining it for everyone else almost? Hmm, I see. It's, it's a very experience. pointed question. Uh, I have like filled by some experiences. Yeah, uh, I'd probably like do it from a more like reserved, laid back perspective. I probably wouldn't. Like, well, no, obviously, but yeah. you know, just asking like the sixes players who play Highlander, like why? Yeah, those sorts like, of what, questions. What what drew you to Highlander? Okay, yeah. And then, do you have any questions that I haven't asked you to really love to like answer about yourself, or any questions for me? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, okay. When I drop my EP, everyone should go listen. I'll I'll send it to Blizz Tank. <laughs> that's a that's a joke. I'm not dropping an EP, but I think Flair might. Yeah, did. Yeah, probably. Okay, then I believe that will be it for today. Well, not for today. Thank you for having me on, Blizz.